Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, well, I told you we have a special guest today. He hasn't, it's not been too long since he has been with us. Just a couple of months ago, he was with us as well. Um, Epic weekends are something we started a long time ago. They are really about hearing from the gift of the evangelist. You know, there are five gifts that Jesus gave the church, right? One of them is the gift of the evangelist. They know how to speak to the new believer, the non-believer, and stir us all up toward evangelism and just a fire in our souls. Can you feel the fire today? I don't know about you, but I feel the... Maybe maybe I'm just feisty today. I don't know. But I feel the fire in the room, and I hope you'll feel that today, too. I hope you'll pick up a passion deep down in your soul today. Our guest uh, leads a ministry called Lead the Generation. He believes in youth, right? And that's something we have always believed in at Freedom Valley. We believe strongly in youth and and kids ministry. And and so we just love him for that. You can find all the details about his ministry on the sermon notes today. And by the way, when we have a special guest, check the sermon notes page. I don't know how many of you know, we, we have sermon notes every single week on our app. Uh, fe.church slash sermon notes. If you don't have the app, you can find them there. I'm, t- I'm taking notes today. Any note takers in the room? Come on, woos. I need to hear you. <laughs> Take notes. I encourage you, don't come to church and let it all go in one ear and out the other. Right? I don't know about you, but I need to take notes to get it deep down in my soul. And so you can see all of my notes on the sermon notes page today. Just refresh it every once in a while. You'll see me taking notes too. And so I hope that you'll, you'll walk away with something deeply important to your soul today. Amen? Are you ready? All right, let's welcome evangelist Aaron Holt. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? It's good. It's always good to be here at Freedom Valley. It's kind of like second home. And uh, as Pastor Candice mentioned, was here just a couple months ago. My wife was with me then, and uh, she's got a crazy weekend going on, so she wasn't able to join me today, but hey, look at your neighbor, look at your neighbor, talk to him, say neighbor. neighbor. I'll talk to him like you like him. You chose to sit next to him, say neighbor. neighbor. It's an honor to sit next to you. Mm-hmm. All right, look at, look at your other neighbor, the one you just ignored. Uh, look at your other neighbor, say neighbor, other neighbor. It's an honor for you to sit next to me. Yes, it is. I'm your dream neighbor. I'm the, I'm the best neighbor you've ever had. That kind of, you neighbored up. That's what you did. You took your neighbor game to a whole nother level sitting next to me. Yes, you did. I am, I am, uh, I'm so glad to be here. I'm from Pittsburgh. And uh, so let's, let's pray the Steelers can, you know, do something today, right? And boo. Whoa, did I get a boo? Okay. And uh, uh, just keep that to yourself, friend. That's good. And uh, no. <laughs> Um, but, but we moved there when I was nine. We moved there when I was nine. And uh, my, my, my dad was moving our family there um, to, to pastor a small little church there in the city. And so I was a, I'm a PK. You know what a PK is? Pastor's kid. Pastor, any pastor, do we have any pastor's kids? We have a couple of pastor's kids in the room. Okay. Our pastor's kids are weird. It's kind of strange people. Um, almost as weird as homeschool. It's not that weird, but close. And uh, so, no, I love, I love the homeschoolers. I do. I do. I, was, I, I homeschooled my kids for a bit. Um, so just joking. But uh, so we moved there and I was nine. And so the, the church had a, a, like a parsonage. They had a, a house that they had purchased. And so we moved into that house. And so I just remember, I think it was within a year or two, my dad uh, decided that he was going to plant 
uh, four trees in the backyard, three apple trees and a, and a peach tree. And I was excited. I was excited about all of them, but I was really excited about the peach tree because I was like, I love me some peaches. Any peach fan, okay? And uh, so I was excited. I'm like, this is amazing, Dad. This is so good. It's going to be great. And, you know, I'm a junior hire, and I don't really understand anything about planting trees or how this whole process works and all this. But, like, I, he planted the trees, and I'm, I'm like, this is just unreal, amazing. And so the next day after he planted the trees, I went out to the next morning to pick some peaches off the tree. And, yeah, and uh, and I'm like, and there's no beaches, and I I'm like, what what is going on? And and so I'm like, Dad, I'm like, something's wrong with the tree. Like you planted the tree, something's wrong with the trees. There's no peaches, there's no apples, there's no nothing. And he's like, well, we just planted them yesterday. It's gonna take some time, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, cool. So I waited a week. <laughs> I mean, for a junior hire, that's a long time. I'm thinking, that's I waited a whole week, and I I, I walk out there. After a week, and I'm like, there's, there's nothing. And I'm just thinking, what is going on? And I'm the same conversation with my dad. It's going to take time. It's going to take more than a week. It might take a month. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. A month. So I waited a month, and I went out. And there's nothing. There's nothing. Well, my dad didn't really tell me that it actually was going to take several years, really. I had no idea that, like, like, like how much my patience was going to be tested and stretched as a junior high boy. Um, and, and so a, a, about a whole year went by, and I walk out into the backyard, and my dad is out there with, uh, he's, he's got, I didn't know what they were at the time, but he's got pruning shears and he's cutting back all the branches. How many of you have ever done this? You've ever, okay, some, some, no one, no one knows. Okay, one person. Okay, great. Couple, two. Okay, thank you. Um, he's cutting the branches. Now, in my mind, I, I don't really fully understand what's happening here, but I'm frustrated because I've been waiting for a whole year for some delicious, juicy, ripe peaches to come out of my backyard, out of the street. And there's nothing, so me not knowing anything about planting trees or pruning and how any of this works, when I see my dad, what looks to me like attacking the tree, I'm kind of glad about it. Because I'm thinking, so I, I walk out and I'm like, it's about time you cut that thing down. It's busted. It doesn't work. Like you you bought the wrong tree. I don't know, you know. And, and I'm, you know, I'm just thinking, just cut it off. Like it's not producing anything. And uh, so my dad begins to explain to me, like, well, no, no, I am pruning it. I'm like, well, what is that? And he's like, well, you, you know, you, you cut the branches back, and then when you cut the branches back, it actually, like, forces the tree to grow the branches back, and when they grow back, then they get stronger, and as they get stronger, then they get bigger, and as they get bigger, then eventually they begin to produce fruit. And, and every year, every, for many years, he would go, but he'd just, he'd the same process, and I'm just, I'm not having it. I'm, I'm, I'm just frustrated. I'm thinking, I just want the fruit. I just want results. Anybody ever feel that way in life? <laughs> I just want the results. That's all I want. Just like, give me the work. Uh, not the work. I don't want the work. <laughs> I'll do a little work, but give me the result of the work. Like, give me the reward. I've, I've put in my time, whatever it is, you know, and I, that's all I want. And I'm frustrated. I'm like, this is, this is terrible. How many of you get frustrated, right? You get frustrated in life. You get frustrated with the job. You get frustrated um, with, uh, with mom or with dad, all my young people, right? You get frustrated with uh, your wife, right? All the husbands just eye contact right now. Just look at me, don't. Just don't, yeah, okay, okay. You know, all the wives, you get frustrated with your husbands. You can go ahead and elbow him now. You just go right, you know. Uh, like, we just do. We, we get frustrated, right? Now, I, I, I'm your friend, and you're not going to like what I'm going to say next, but, but I've come today to tell you that frustration in your life 
is your friend? One person agrees with me. And everyone's thinking, why would he agree with that? That guy's kind of strange back there. Why would he, why would he say it? Frustration is your friend. Now, this is going to be hard, but I need you to repeat after me. Everyone say, frustration is my friend. Yeah, see, it was painful to even say, wasn't it? Because we hate it. Because we, we really, and especially in American culture, like, I don't, I want things quick. I want it fast. I want it right away. I don't want to have to wait. I don't want to have to wait for results. I don't want to have to put in the effort. I don't want to have to put in the work. I just, just get me to the end result. Get me to the peach tree moment. I want to pull that peach up and I want to, that's what I want. But frustration is actually a gift. It's actually a gift from God. Frustration is actually one of, one of it might actually be one of your best friends in life. Because what frustration does is it, it, it agitates you. It kind of stirs you up a little bit. Uh, another way to think of it is like frustration kind of kicks you out of the nest. It kicks you out of your comfort zone a little bit, right? Frustration actually produces this thing inside of you. Here, here's one of the reasons why it's your friend. It, it's your friend because your, your, your frustration actually pushes you to get outside of your comfort zones or your current habits or the current rhythms of your life. It kind of forces you. you. You're frustrated. You're like, I am so sick and tired of this. And the Holy Spirit's like, I've just been waiting for you to be sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? <laughs> so that I could actually get you out of the comfort zone or out of the nest and get you producing something in your life and through your life. So frustration is your friend, right? I, I, was, I was reading this study the other day about... Um, how you discover your purpose in life, right? You discover like your unique purpose, right? We all we all have kind of global biblical purpose, like like the purpose of glorifying God and living with Him forever. That's a global purpose that we all share. We all, we all share that. If you're if you believe in Christ, if you believe in the Bible, then that's God's global purpose for you and I, all of us, to glorify Him and to live with Him forever. But we also have unique purpose in life, right? And so, part of this study was talking about about this uh, this phrase that they developed called unique agitation right unique agitation and what they said was this they said two people can walk into the same room can experience the same exact thing right uh, they experience the same food if it's a restaurant or the same environment right if it's a, a place where other people are at, or maybe the same church you can walk into the same room the same setting and one person just loves many many things about it and the other person the exact same person in the exact same space is uniquely agitated by many variables and factors in that place. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? You and your wife walk into the same place. And, uh, you know, like this happened to me last time we were here. We were in Gettysburg. My wife, she's like, I'm going to go with you only if we can go antique shopping. I'm, I'm frustrated just by the word antique Put it together with shopping. That's double frustration for me, right? Right. In my spirit, I heard several husbands moaning right now. But you did it very quietly because you didn't want your wives to know you feel exactly the same way. And and so so, so like, but we, my wife and I have completely different experiences when we walk into like a little antique shop where she loves everything about it. I am uniquely agitated every moment that I am in this place. Right. We we have this, you know, like we just have a different experience. But in the study I was reading, they were basically saying that, that when, when you step into a moment of your life where you're uniquely agitated or you're uniquely frustrated, oftentimes your agitation will lead you to an assignment from God. Oftentimes the things in life that produce the most frustration in you 
actually are God's way of leading you to something that you're destined to or a purpose for you. Right? And, and so when we think about life, and I'm thinking about myself in the peach tree, and I'm just thinking, I just want peaches and same old, same old every day. There's nothing there. Like, like I, I think sometimes same and the idea of same gets a bad rap because, you know, we, we just want different. We want new. We want shiny. We want upgrade. I want the new phone. I want the new, new computer, the new device, whatever it is in your life, right? We, we want same. Like same gets a bad rap oftentimes. And, and there's some same in your life that probably should like get the bad. I, I, I get a bad name. I, I wrote down a couple of them, like 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 um, stagnant sameness, right? I'm gonna give you a couple of these. You can write these down if you want to. Stagnant sameness, right? That's like uh, that's like you do it because you you just have always done it that way. You just keep on doing it that way, not really producing anything for you. You're still frustrated. You're still agitated, but there's nothing really being produced. You're just kind of stagnantly doing the same thing over and over and over again. Wake up. Rinse and repeat, same thing, over and over and over again. You're stagnant, right? Then there's what I would call, this one's kind of fun, right? We can make fun of this, but this one's what I call stupid sameness, right? It's when, it's when you do the same thing over and over again, and people are looking at you, and they're like, why do you do that? Like, what'd you do that for, right? It's just, it's just kind of silly, right? If, you're, if you've ever raised a kid, if you're a parent, you've ever raised a kid, right? It, 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 it's like, uh, it's like the, the silliness of, of watching like your kid um, do, do something that's really silly, right? It's like, it would be, it'd be like your kid, typically like, like, like when you're trying to, for instance, teach your kid to uh, not touch the oven, especially when it's turned on because it's hot, right? You do it once and like, okay, I figured it out. I'm never going to do that again. You do it twice. You do it three times. We, there's a problem here. <laughs> it's just kind of stupid. Like, why are you doing that? Now there's stupid sameness in our lives, aren't there? Isn't there? Right? Why do I keep doing, why do I keep making the same mistake over and over and over again? Right? That's just kind of stupid. Then there's, then there's uh, what I call stubborn sameness. Right? You do you. I'm just being me. I'm just keeping it real. This is just how I roll. This is just what I do. Right? Mm, yeah, maybe you're just stubborn though. <laughs> you know? Listen, you do you is a far cry from what Christ wants to do in you. Right, And so sometimes we're, we're the same, but we're stubborn. And that's the reason why, why our life isn't really producing anything. Then there's, there's two more here. Then there's what I like to call scared sameness, right? That's when like, like you, you actually want to change. You, you want to allow your frustrations in life, your agitations in life to produce some kind of change in you. But you're, you're too afraid. I'm just scared. Right? I just don't want to do it. I don't want to make the change. I'm just too afraid to do it. Like, like we get scared in life. It's okay. You can admit that. This is why I own a dog, because I get scared at night still. A big dog, not a small dog. We've already talked about this. Don't need to do it again. All right? But, like, we get scared. Man. But, but here's, here's the sameness that I kind of want to dial in on today. Right? This is the sameness that I think God uses to help establish his kingdom in our world and in, in our lives. This is the sameness that you see so many times in the words of Jesus, the compassion of Christ, the way that he loves us, the way that he cares for us. This is the sameness that you see in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. You can grab your Bible, turn there. That's where we're going to be pulling, pulling some text out today. And, and it's this phrase right here. Write this down. Sacred sameness. Sacred sameness. This, this is like that, 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 that sameness where... You keep going back to it over and over and over again because that's like a well that never runs dry. Like you just keep going back to the, there's, there's, some, there's some things in my life that are sacredly the same over and over and over and over because they always produce 
Because, because they always keep me connected the way that I need to stay connected. Now, let me read eight verses to you from John chapter 15. They're going to be on the screen here for you. Let me read these, and then we're going to kind of zoom out. I'm going to give you some context to this passage that we're reading. But this is Jesus, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and this is what he says. He says, I am the true vine, verse number one, chapter 15, book of John. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener, and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse four, remain in me as I also remain in you. In, in maybe a different translation, I might say the word abide, abide in me as I abide in you. Second part of verse four, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, then you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Last two verses. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." Now, let me just zoom out real quick, because, it, because if you're really going to understand like, the depth of what Jesus is talking about here, you kind of, have to, kind of have to catch the setting, right? Like, so really, we're picking up what Jesus says in, Matt, in John 15. We're kind of picking up in the middle of a very long conversation Jesus is having with his disciples. You actually have to go back two chapters to chapter 13 to find out what's actually happening, where are the disciples, where, how did this conversation start? And the conversation continues past... John 15, all the way into John 16, and all the way into John 17. Here's the context. Here's the setting real quick. Jesus is celebrating Passover with his disciples. Jesus is having Friendsgiving. <laughs> okay? Jesus and his crew, his guys, are all sitting out there at the table. I actually made the mistake right after worship. I, I, I ran out there real quick to get something, and it smells amazing out there. Keep the doors closed, because if you open them up, no one's going to pay attention to anything that I have to say. <laughs> so, highly recommend you join Friendsgiving. Jesus is having Friendsgiving. He's hanging out with his guys, and the setting is, is what we would call the Last Supper. This is when Jesus is really, the disciples don't really fully understand this yet. Jesus is actually sharing his last moments with his disciples. They, he knows it. The disciples don't know it. And, and so in John 13, this whole conversation begins, and, and right there in John 13, right in, right in that chapter is the moment where Judas Iscariot kind of shows himself to be the traitor, and he gets up and he leaves, and then after he leaves, the disciples in John 14 are really confused, like, what's going on? What's happening? There's a lot of frustration here. There's a lot of frustration here in this moment. And then you get to John 15, and then John 16, and then in John 17, Jesus actually takes time and prays for the disciples. And then in John 18, they leave, and they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there Judas betrays Jesus with the Roman soldiers, and thus begins Jesus' trial, eventually his, his death and crucifixion on the cross, and then three days later, his resurrection. The disciples sitting there, listening to Jesus in John 15, say these eight verses, really have yet to figure out what's happening. Like they don't really fully understand how Jesus' kingdom is going to come, how it's going to be established at this point. Like they, they, in, in their mind, they're still thinking, 
I don't understand everything Jesus is saying. He's talking about going away. He's talking about going to prepare a place for us and, and that we're going to meet him there. But, but in their mind, as, as young Jewish men, in their mind, they're thinking, Jesus is going to take over. He's going to drive the Roman authorities out. That's who was in charge. The, the Jews were subjugated to the Romans. You're going to drive the Romans out, and Jesus is going to be the ruler, and we're going to have Jesus' kingdom come now right here on earth. They don't understand. Jesus is very compassionately saying to them, my kingdom is coming, but it's probably going to look differently than what you realize. And so one of many things he says to them is the first eight verses of John chapter 15, and he gives them this very loving, compassionate understanding of how God is going to interact with them throughout the next many seasons of their life. So here's a couple of truths that we're going to pull out of that real quick, right? Jesus says, I'm the vine, so, so put your gardening hat on with me real quick. How many of you have like a green thumb? You're like a green thumb person. You can like grow anything, right? My wife would, my wife would say, I can actually kill anything. Like I, like I could never been, how many of you are like, that's me. Like we've just never been successful. It's like, I'm, okay. Um, Jesus is like, hey, listen, I'm the vine. So, so think like grapevine um, or, or more importantly though, think like, like the, the root or the trunk, of a tree, right? That's kind of where all the sustenance and all the nutrients come, right? Jesus is saying, that's me. That's me. That's my role. And he says, God, God's the gardener. So he's the guy who's going to come in. He's going to kind of tend to everything, right? And you, you're the branch. Not very complimentary. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you're a branch. Look at your neighbor and be a little nicer. Say, you're a good looking branch. <laughs> but that, that's what we are right they're just a branch i'm just a branch that's all i am just a branch right and, and so jesus comes in with this text and he's trying to help the disciples say he's he's being he's being incredibly compassionate here and he's he's really just trying to help the disciples understand like like here's how my kingdom is going to be established my kingdom is going to come through you producing much fruit now, here's the recipe, right? Like, like, like every, good, every good chef in the kitchen has a recipe. Every good gardener has a recipe. And so this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you, if you remain, everyone say remain. remain. If you abide, everyone say abide. abide. If you stay close, everyone say stay close. stay close. If you stay close, then you will bear much fruit. He actually says it's to, my, to the glory of my Father in heaven that you do produce much fruit. So the expectation here is Jesus is saying, the goal for you is to establish the kingdom of God, but the way that you're going to do that is by staying as close to me as possible. And if you stay close, then you'll produce fruit. And so when you start to read through the text here, it's kind of interesting because in verse 2, it says, uh, uh, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Okay, well, that, that's kind of, that makes sense, right? Like, just cut it off. Like, that's cool. Just, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't. I don't need it. I, I don't know about you. Like sometimes when, when, I, when I read that passage and I'm like, oh, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. I don't even think about myself. Sometimes I think about other people. Like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, cut that guy back right there. Like that guy, that, dude, that person isn't producing anything. Like they're the ones who gets cut back. So I don't even see myself there sometimes. I, I, I need to. But then he goes on and he says, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Whoa, whoa, hold up. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying that even if my life is actually producing fruit, he's going he's gonna to cut me back anyways? Like God's going to go like all Edward Scissorhands up in the garden and he's just going to start like, 
snip, 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 and snip, and snip. No, this is what Jesus says. And you have to understand this entire context here of what Jesus is trying to say to the disciples. He's trying to say to them, there are going to be moments in life where I'm going to have to cut some things back in your life in order for it to grow back and produce more. Now, now, here, 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 here's just a couple things. I want to pull out just three really quick points here, and you can write these down, right? So, so here's point number one. The kingdom comes, number one, the kingdom comes through the monotonous before the miraculous. The kingdom comes through the monotonous before the miraculous. How many, how many of you like the, the miraculous? I like the miraculous. How many of you like the fruit? I like the fruit. Right? I mean, like me, like junior high boy in Pittsburgh, like I just want to go out and I just want to grab the peach tree, you know, the peach from the fruit tree, the apple from the apple tree. Like I just, I just want the end result. But what Jesus here is teaching us is he's saying, listen, just, just I'm going to be very compassionate with you. I'm going to be very loving with you. He, the disciples don't know what's getting ready to happen in just a couple hours from this moment. The disciples still have yet to really wrap their head around the fact that Jesus is going to undergo trial they're all going to scatter, right? Jesus is going to be crucified three days in the grave, re be resurrected three days later. But then even after that, he's going to ascend to heaven and that the kingdom of God is going to come through them staying connected to Jesus, to the vine. Remain, remain, abide, abide. He says, listen, you're going to have to do something that's going to be hard sometimes and it's going to feel a little monotonous. And it's going to feel like same old, same old. And it's going to feel frustrating. And you're going to be agitated at times. And you're going to have these moments where you're just like, man, every day, just trying one more time. Just praying one more time. Just reading the word of God one more time. Just showing up for work one more time. Just day in, just going to school one more day. Just practicing again and again and again and again and again. What you and I want is we want the miraculous. I want the fruit. I want the end result. And I want it right away. I, I, I mean, I want to like, I'm like, I want to, I want to sit back and say, I put my time and I worked hard. I want to see some results from this. And Jesus here is, is using this incredible parable, really, this, this allegory, this symbolic picture of you and I producing fruit in a very slow process. And nobody likes that, do they? I don't like that. I'm, I'm just, no, I, can I speed it up? Can we throw some fertilizer on there? Can I do like the Chia Pet version of spiritual growth? Can we get that going on? You know what I mean? Like, listen, I'm speaking as a bald guy right now. If I could put that stuff on my head and just, I'm just saying, like, I'd, I'm like, give me those results, right? But, but that's what we want. We want, I, I want that. But Jesus is trying to teach the, the, the disciples the kingdom of God is not going to come through the quick and the easy. And you're not going to necessarily see the miraculous overnight. The kingdom of God actually comes through the monotonous before the miraculous. We, we tend in our culture, especially in America, we, we tend to, to highlight and celebrate the miraculous. Right? I, I don't know. How many, how many we get sports fans? How many football, football fans? We got a bunch of NFL football. Okay, some of you. So I know some, some, of you, some of you NFL guys or girls, you might remember this. This was a couple seasons ago. But a couple seasons ago, um, there was a wide receiver named Od Odell Beckham um, that played for the New York Giants at the time. Right? 
And, uh, and so he, so tell me if you remember this, in this one play, he, he catches this touchdown pass where he like extends all the way back and he catches it with one arm. Some said it was maybe one of the greatest catches ever. Anyone remember this? Anyone ever remember? Some of you, a couple of you real big fans do. So, so it's kind of amazing. And for weeks, I mean, you just see it like ESPN, Sports Center, Top 10, Odell Beckham's catch. Is it the best catch ever? You know, all of this stuff going on and on and on and on and on. And, 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 and what happens is, is people start talking about it. And some people are like, that was amazing. That was incredible. Then other people are like, ah, oh, that was so lucky. I mean, the kid just got lucky. Just like, just kind of like, just happened. Like, what a miraculous catch, right? Now, this is what's interesting because in the weeks after that moment, what came out on YouTube, and you can go look this, it's still out there. Look, look this up. What came out on YouTube in the weeks after that is, is in that exact game, during pregame warm-ups, there's footage of Beckham doing his catching routines, right? And do you know what one of the catches was that he was practicing before the game? That one right there. Story came out that that was actually a catch that he practiced every single day. Every day in practice, running the same route, running the same place, quarterback trying to throw it in the same spot, him reaching up and extending in the same way, trying to make the one-handed grab. What am I trying to say to you? If you resist the monotonous in your life, you might not ever experience the miraculous in your life. If you resist the daily routine and the daily hustle and grind of just remaining and abiding and staying as close to Jesus as you possibly can, you probably will never really experience the miracle of the fruit in your life and through your life. And as a result, the kingdom never really comes in your family or in this home or in this house or this church or this area because we won't embrace the monotonous. Because we won't just say, you know what, I'm just going to show up. And I'm going to show up, and I'm going to practice. I'm going to do the same thing over, and I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on serving. I'm going to keep on giving. I'm going to keep on going. The relationship hasn't gone the way I wanted it to go yet, but I'm going to keep on being faithful over and over again. I haven't got the starting role on the squad yet, but it's okay. I'm going to keep showing up for practice again, and that's monotonous. That's frustrating. That agitates us. And God's like, that's good. That's good. That's your friend. Frustration is your friend. That agitation is your friend. Because if you're not agitated, then, then, then you, won't keep, you won't grow. If you're not frustrated, then, then you won't keep leaning in and saying, I'm just going to keep showing up again and again and again and again. Everything that you want in your future will be developed through faithfulness in your present. Let's say that again. Everything you want in your future will be developed through faithfulness in your present. When you see somebody, when you see a great athlete, when you see a, a, a great musician, when you see a great leader, when you see a great uh, businessman, a great entrepreneur, a great teacher, right? A, a, a great preacher, a great communicator, whatever it is. When you see somebody and you look at their life and you observe the fruit of their life and you say to yourself, oh, wow, I, I admire that about them, or I love watching that person operate in their giftedness, right? I love watching this person do what they do because they do it so well. You're seeing the fruit. You're not seeing the monotonous. You're seeing the miraculous. You're not seeing the everyday grind, right? You're, you're seeing the end result of 
hours and hours and hours of faithfulness just showing up again and again and again and again. And we get it all confused in American culture because we're all about looking at everyone else's highlight reels, especially on social feeds. I look at everyone's highlight reels and I forget the fact the reason why they're able to operate at that level of giftedness or efficiency is because they put the time in the private place. You just show up again and again. Let me, let me proof text this for you real quick. Right? Like, story, back in, in Joshua chapter 6. You don't have to turn there. I'll just proof text it for you real quick. Because some of you are maybe just not sure. Like, is this, this really true? Is this really biblical? Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll give you one, one text for it. Joshua is the brand new general of the nation of Israel. Moses has passed away. Joshua is now beginning to take his army, the Israelite army. And they're beginning to invade the promised land. The land that God had promised them. That's why they called it the promised land. And one of the first challenges they run into is the city of Jericho. Anyone know this story? Anyone remember this story? Jericho is not a very big city, but it has really big walls, right? Not, not, not a huge population city, but, but walls that were really high, really thick, really big. And so Joshua comes up with what he believes to be a brilliant plan from God. And he says to the army, we're going to go out today and we're going to walk around the, the walls, and don't anybody talk. We're just going to walk around the walls. And that's it. Can you imagine like if you're like in like the strategy meeting with all of the, uh, the generals of the army, right? And Joshua's like, guys, I got it. I figured it out. This is what we're going to do. We're going to walk around the wall. And like someone's like, that, that's an idea. <laughs> Put that on the whiteboard. Let's write that down. Walk around the... Well, anyone else? Anyone else have a thought? Uh, we're open to all ideas here, friends. Or no, you know, the only bad idea is the one you don't talk about. <laughs> and then, like some Israelite, I just think like some Israelite soldier like comes home from work that day, and and, and she's you know his wife is like, honey, how'd the battle go? Um, yeah, it was good, I guess. What'd you do? Um, um just kind of walked. We took a walk, actually, you know. <laughs> You know, like, who'd you kill today, baby? Uh, just my feet, actually. Like, that's... <laughs> but, but, but then, like, it goes on. And, 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 and then, then day two, we're going to do the same thing. And then day three, and day four, and day five, and day six, right? right? And, then, and then you get to day seven. And this is what the text says. This is really interesting. I'm in Joshua chapter six. You can go read this later. But, but it says this. It says, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, and they walked around the city in the same way. In the same way they had done it, except this time they walked around the city in the same way seven times on the seventh day. Now, this is really interesting because the text says they did it in the same way. And then immediately it says, except on that day. Yeah. What am I trying to say? If you don't embrace in the same way each and every day, you'll never get to on that day in your life. Because on that day, day seven, was the day after seven times around, they blew their trumpets and shouted, and miraculously, the walls came crashing down. Listen to me, young person. Listen to me, married couple. Listen to me, older people in the room. You have to embrace in the same way every day to ever get to the miraculous of on that day. And I could come to you today and I could talk about breakthrough and revivals coming and everyone would yell and shout and say, yes, I love on that day, on that day. You won't get there without in the same way. You won't get there. In the same way, I showed up 
I prayed, I served, I gave, I embraced the monotonous so that eventually I could experience the miraculous. Jesus is trying to help the disciples see it here. He's trying to help them understand. Guys, they don't, and they don't even get it yet. Guys, I'm not going to be here. You're going to be the ones to establish the kingdom. So let me very compassionately and lovingly help you understand what life is going to feel like for you, especially after I go. There's going to be some monotonous. There's going to be some same. There's going to be some same old, same old. There's, there's going to be days when you don't feel it. There's going to be days when you don't want to show up. There's going to be days when everything inside of you is telling you to just go back to bed. Some of you are like, that's every day for me. <laughs> there's just going to be those moments. But if you don't embrace the monotonous, then you never experience the miraculous. The miraculous is the fruit. The miraculous is the kingdom coming. The miraculous is the kingdom being established. And then he goes on. Jesus goes on and he's like, let me, let me, let me, let me walk you through a little bit more here. What's going to happen? And here's how we're going to do it. He says, he says right there in verse 2, what does he say? He says, he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? So that it will be even more fruitful. So here's, 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 here's truth number two, right? The kingdom comes through cutbacks before setups. The kingdom comes through cutbacks before setups. See, this, this, is, like, this, is, not, this is not the kind of preaching that people like. <laughs> <laughs> like, like people like people like the on that day preaching and miraculous preaching and got you got the miracles coming. It's coming right now. People don't like this kind of preaching that Jesus is doing when he says you're going to be cut back. You, there's going to be seasons in your life where you're going to be you're going to be cut back. There's going to be seasons in your life where you're going to be pruned. There's going to be times in your life where I'm 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 going to intentionally uh, allow life to make some cutbacks on you so that you will grow back. It's not a cutback, it's a setup. So, so there's, a, there's, 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 a, there's a couple layers to this here, but let me just walk you through them real briefly. So, so you know, there's times in life where God is the one who's doing the pruning. That's right. Where God says, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut this back. And, and listen, and, and, it, and it hurts, doesn't it? You, you know, like, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's, it's ad, you're agitated, you're irritated, you're, fr- you're like, this is terrible. I, I just... I've, I've been faithful. I've been showing up. I've been doing the thing. And, and, my, and my, my little branch was starting to produce fruit. And I wanted God the gardener to show up. And I wanted him to cheer me on. Good little branch. Good job, little branch. Look at you growing, little branch. Look at those little grapes coming off, little branch. You're so good. I'm so proud of you, little branch. I just want God to celebrate it. I want him to, like, hashtag little branches growing on my Insta feed. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, I just, I want to pat on the back, you know, like, you know, but no, God comes in and he's just like, oh, look at that. Yep. Snip, snip, snip. We're like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? This, this is actually the, the great compassion of our savior because see what would actually be cruel. And I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, so I'll just, I'll just dive in a little bit deeper because we have this, this, this uh, colloquialism in our culture today in America, this, this phrase, you do you, Right. Which is kind of like, just be yourself. Just, just, just own who you are. Just embrace it, right? And I just want to say to you, as a friend, the worst thing that Jesus could ever allow to happen to you or I is you do you. Because it ends bad every single time. And we never really produce in our lives or through our lives the completeness or fullness of what could be produced. So the most cruel thing that our Savior could do is say, hey, listen, 
Some of you are going to produce a lot. Some of you aren't really going to produce much at all. You do you. Just be who you are. The most compassionate and loving thing our Savior could do is say this. I'm going to prune you. It's going to temporarily, for this season, hurt a little bit. But I'm doing it because I, what does the text say? The text says that he prunes us back so that what? So we will what? Bear what? More fruit. See, this is Jesus' way of saying to you, I actually want to help you produce more. I actually want to see more goodness come out of you. I want to see more peace in your life. I want to see more joy in your life. I want to see more freedom in your life. you got a little bit of freedom, but I want, you, I want you to live in complete and total freedom. I want to produce more healing in and through your life. You've received a little bit of healing in your life, but I want to take you all the way across the finish line to a place of completion where you're producing the, the highest level of fruit that can produce in your life. But i got to prune you back in order to do that. Amen. And that's hard. See, this is why the, the, the truth here is, is your, your, the kingdom comes through cutbacks before it comes through, through setups. And so this is God who's, who's saying, sometimes I'm doing the pruning, and the, but then also sometimes God will, uh, will allow the circumstances and the challenges of life to do the pruning. And, and sometimes that's even more frustrating, let's be honest. Because sometimes when there are moments or places or seasons in my life that I feel like are so completely out of my control, whoo! right? We can talk to all the parents in the room that are thinking about one of their adult children right now, right? We can think to all the business owners in the room that have tried to survive a pandemic over the last two years, right? We can, we can talk about all of, all of the, the people in the room that have watched loved ones struggle with sickness, right? We can talk about those of you that have lost jobs, right? My wife is one of those people who lost a job, still hasn't been able to find something, right? Like we can talk about all the things, all of the, the circumstances of life, And you can look at those circumstances and you can look at that pain. You can look at it through the lens of this is wrong. This isn't right. I've been accused unfairly. This is not fair. This is not proper. It's not, or, or you can look at it through the lens of, oh, God must be getting ready to produce something through my life. God must be pruning me back because he knows there's actually something deeper inside of me that needs to come out. God must be pruning my branches back because he wants them to grow back bigger and stronger so that they can actually produce more fruit and those branches can bear the weight of responsibility that comes with producing that kind of fruit in my life. God's up to something. He's not just cutting me back for the sake of cutting me back. He's not an uncompassionate, cruel God who says, I just cut you because I wanted to cut you. He's a loving and compassionate Savior who says, I only cut you back as a setup for what I'm getting ready to do in your life in the next season of your life. Mm. I, no, it's okay. It's, I, it's hard to clap. It's hard to clap at that because it's like, yeah, yay, prune me. <laughs> you know, like, like, I wish Pastor Aaron was here today because I'd be teasing him right like, like, bro, no one writes songs about pruning me. <laughs> Jesus just cut us back today. We, you know, I'm like, no. Just don't. Um, A.W. Tozer, who's a brilliant theologian, is a name you probably need to be familiar with, no longer with us, but has written incredible books. A.W. Tozer once said this. He said, when I realize that every experience in life is meant to make me more like Christ, it relieves a great deal of my anxiety. 
Yeah, I'm going to read that again because this time I'm reading it for myself, okay? Because I need to hear this, right? A.W. Tozer, when I realized that every experience in life is meant to make me more like Christ, which is the, the, the ultimate fruit in our life, Amen. being Christ-like, yeah. it's not enough for you and I to like Christ. We have to be Christ-like. When I realize that every experience in life is meant to make me more like Christ, it helps relieve a great deal of my anxiety. So that it allows me to have a broader perspective. The disciples, they didn't even know how much they were going to need this because just several hours after this moment, they were going to watch Jesus whisk away by Roman soldiers and taken to an unfair trial and then a crucifixion. And they were going to scatter themselves because they were going to feel persecuted and their lives threatened by the Roman soldiers and what began to go down in, in the next couple hours. And they don't even understand that in, this, in the next couple hours, this is going to come true for them. And, but this was ultimately how God was wanting to establish his kingdom. Jesus is very compassionately saying to them, there's going to be cutbacks and there's going to be setups. Everybody's going to get cut back. And sometimes the pain, let me say this very, very delicately to you. For some of you that are in the room right now, some of you that are watching online, the pain that you're experiencing life right now, although it's very difficult, although it's very hard, although it, it probably is incredibly unfair, you, you didn't deserve it, you didn't do anything wrong. Someone falsely accused you of something, or, or it's the pain of, of losing a loved one because of this pandemic and everything that we're going through. The pain that you're experiencing in your life is oftentimes something that God says, I will take that and I'll use that if you trust me, if you'll give that to me. If you, if, if, if you, hold, that hands, if you hold that palms up, and you'll just be willing to say, God, here, you just take this. What does the Word of God say? The Word of God says that he's working all things together for my good. It doesn't, it doesn't say, the Word of God doesn't say that it is good. So, so the, Word of God is, it's, the Word of God isn't cruel. Jesus isn't cruel. He's compassionate. And so, and so he, he's not saying, no, 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 everything is good. And you're like, no, 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 you can call it what it is. That's wrong. That was unfair. This is hard. This was painful. So, so you, can, you can deal with reality, and the reality of this is very difficult, but you can also deal with the, the spirituality of being able to say, God, I offer this to you because I know that if I give you enough time, you'll work it for my good. That doesn't even necessarily mean that, that that which has been bad in my life and that which has been hurtful, that that actual thing or, or what happened will eventually become good. It might always be bad in your life, but the, what the scripture promises is that although it might remain bad in your life, if you put it into the hands of God, the gardener, he'll use it to prune you and produce more fruit thus taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it for great good in our lives. Right? This, this, is, this, is, this is hard preaching. This is tough. Because none of us want to go, none of us want to embrace the cutback. Whew. You know one of the best things you can do for yourself is you can do some self-pruning. Right? You, you can just, you can, you can look at your life and you can say, there's some things in my life that maybe the Holy Spirit's not even necessarily pointing at yet, but I want to prune these things in my life because I, because I think these things in my life are actually keeping me from producing the amount of fruit and impact that my life could make. I had one of my mentors say to me when I was a young man, he said to me, Aaron, if you want to be a man of God, narrow your interests. 
And I didn't really understand what that meant when he said it. And so I said, well, Jesus, you're going to have to explain that to me. He said, well, there's a, there's a ton of things in this world that you could be interested in. There's a ton of hobbies that you could have. There's a ton of likes you could have. There's a ton of preferences you could have. You could have a whole long list of things that you want. You could have a lot of good in your life. But the good could become the enemy of the best that God has for you. So narrow your interest. And so I started to choose. And I just said, you know, I like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not even sinful. That, that behavior, there's nothing wrong with that. I like that. But you know what? I just can't commit time to that right now. I can't keep, commit my resources to that. I can't commit my money to that right now. Why? Because I want to be a man of God. But listen, every, when you prune, when you, when you self-prune, when you prune, when you say no to something in your life, you, you, you don't always say no to something because it's wrong or sinful. Sometimes you say no to something because you have said a better yes to something else. Because every time I say no to one thing, it's because I want to say yes to something else. In the same way that every time I say yes to something, I'm actually saying no to something else. So in my life, I've had to look and I'd have to ask the question, where's the better yes at? Where's the better yes for my life? And that might mean I have to prune something. Listen, listen to me. Let, me. let me apply this to your life real quick. That might mean I have to say no to some friendships. That might mean I have to say no to some relationship opportunities. That might mean I need to say no to a specific job or, or a specific course in my life. That might mean I, I have to say no to certain financial investments or commitments that I have to make. Why? Not just because it's, I think it's bad, but because there's a better yes in my life. Because there's, there's a higher goal, there's a higher kingdom that I serve and that I'm producing fruit on behalf of. So I have a better yes in my life. So we have to prune. We have to prune. We have to say, God, you know, I'm trying to prune. You know, some, you know sometimes when you prune, you self-prune. Let me give me one more thought here and then I'll move on. The last point's really quick. Sometimes when you prune, you self-prune because you say, I have a better yes and I'm narrowing my interest. Sometimes, sometimes though, God uses pruning to realign your priorities. Sometimes God uses pruning in your life to realign your priorities. What I've often seen most, especially among young people, and I travel most exclusively speaking and preaching to teenagers, always, always a pleasure to be in a setting like this, but what I often see most among young people is, is, but I think this is true for us as adults as well. Sometimes I don't want Jesus as much as I want Jesus to do something for me. Let me say it again, just because I want you to wrap your head around. Sometimes I don't want Jesus as much as I want Jesus to do something for me. I want Jesus to answer a prayer. I want Jesus to meet a need. I want Jesus to, to perform the miracle. I want Jesus to do something for me. And, and, what, and, and, and if, see, if you allow the Holy Spirit to wrestle with you on your priorities, what you'll discover at times is that I'm actually not abiding anymore. I'm only remaining as close to Jesus as I think I need to be in order to get Jesus to do what I want him to do or produce the fruit in my life that I want him to produce. That's, ouch, right? Right, that's, that's what pruning feels like. <laughs> ouch, Jesus. This is, see, he's, Jesus is trying to warn the disciples about this because he knows what's coming. He, he knows that in the next couple of years, they're all going to be famous, that they're all going to be worldwide famous in their, in their time, in their age. They're going to have all, all the accolades of the ones who walked with Jesus, the ones who saw with their own eyes Jesus perform dozens and dozens of miracles. And so it would be very easy for them to lose focus and focus on the fruit rather than focus on the root. And Jesus, that's what Jesus says. He's saying to them, listen, you have to learn to abide with me. And when I prune you, sometimes I'm pruning you because you've lost your focus and you've lost your priority. Do you want Jesus or do you want Jesus to do something for you? 
It's two totally different things, actually. Do you want Jesus? Or you just want him to answer your prayers? Do you want Jesus? Do, 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 do you want faith or do you want the results of having faith? Right? These are hard. I'm totally fine with your silence, by the way, because I wrestle with this stuff in silence. So I'm totally like, sometimes we just need to have moments in church where we yell and shout and clap and we say, oh, not day. And it's awesome. And then sometimes we need to have moments in life where we're just like, whew, I need to think through my priorities. That's what pruning does. I want to remind you of something that John 15 makes really clear here. He says you're the branch. And your job is to remain or abide and stay connected to Jesus, who's the root. He's the trunk. When your life produces fruit, who's the fruit for? Not for you. Not for me. For everyone else. When you go to, when you, when you, how many like grapes? Any, any grape, grape lovers here? Grape, okay, cool, grape. Grape nuts? Grape nuts? We like grape nuts? No, we don't, that's terrible cereal. So, no, no, I'm sorry. Okay, when you eat a grape and it tastes great, what you probably don't say is, wow, what a great grapevine this grape came from. Right? You just say, oh, this is such a great grape. This is so great. When your life produces fruit, you don't produce fruit because the motivation is that someone applauds you as the branch. You produce fruit because you say, this is what I do. This is the natural byproduct of a follower of Christ who stays deeply rooted and connected to Christ. The natural result is my life produces fruit. When my life produces fruit, it's for everyone else. It's for the establishment and the coming of the kingdom of God in my life, in my home, in this church, in this community, not for me. So this, this is where you and I have to be really clear on the priorities, and this is what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to help them understand the priority is to abide. It's to remain. It's to stay connected. Let me give you one more. We're, we're going to be done. Ben, you can come on and join me. Because we're going to take a moment. We're going to pray. Number three here. The kingdom comes through remaining before reaching. The kingdom comes through remaining before reaching. Let me say it like this. This is another way I could say it. You'll, you'll never arrive unless you abide. So you and, I, you and I live in a culture where it's all about arrive, 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 arrive. And Jesus is like, abide, abide, abide. We live in a culture that's all about fame, fame, fame. Jesus is like faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Right? And, and so, and even in church circles, we're like, we got to reach, we got to reach, we got to reach. We got to expand the kingdom of God. And Jesus is like, remain, 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 remain. He's just begging us. He's just saying, I need, you, I need you to stay connected to the root. I need you to stay connected to remaining and to abiding. I saw this modeled for me in a powerful way when I was a young man. And um, I was engaged to my wife. And um, we were headed towards marriage. And she grew up in Philly. And... Um, her, her home was on one little, right in the city and just real tight housing, you know, kind of row homes. And, and so she lived in the house with her family and then right across the street, her grandfather lived. And, um, so I had the opportunity to meet her grandfather. Her grandmother had passed away several years before I came into the picture relationally with Julie. So I never met her grandmother. And as I got to know Julie and as I got to know her family, I got to hear the stories of her grandmother and what an incredible woman that she was. And also incredible challenges that she went through in her life when she was about 30 years old. She was diagnosed with polio. And this was long before there was a lot of good treatment options 
And uh, so it left her wheelchair ridden for the rest of her life. And uh, so her grandfather, um, every day, every day, year after year after year, every day, had to tend to all of her needs. And so, you know, just a few of them, he would, you know, I would wake up in the middle of the night and have to, to pick her up out of bed and take her to, to go to the bathroom if she needed to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And wake up every morning and fix her breakfast and prepare all of your meals for her for the entire day and make sure that everything in the home was straightened up and perfectly neat so that she could easily exit, you know, move her wheelchair through the house and, and come home from work. And he was a, he was a plant manager at a, a GE, a General Electric location there in Philly for years and come home every day from work and make dinner and tend to all of her needs and help her every time she needed to use the restroom and, and bathe her once a day and just every day. Every day. At some point in the history of their marriage that I think, I think lasted almost 50 years and over half of that was her being, you know, in, in a wheelchair. At some point in the history of, of their marriage, a, a local newspaper reporter kind of caught wind of the story of, of Richard Wolf. That was Julie's grandfather's name. He passed away about 10 years ago. And um, so on a Valentine's Day episode, they released an entire story about the faithfulness of this, this man, Richard, and how he lovingly cared for his wife each and every day and cared for all of her needs in spite of great challenge. And uh, I remember as a young man getting ready to marry Julie, standing there in the living room of his home and seeing the framed article, the framed newspaper article there on the wall and just kind of stood there just reading it over and over and over again, just, just shocked shocked by his faithfulness. And I don't know if it was in that exact moment or maybe it was at conversations later on, but I remember having a conversation with, with Richard at, where I asked him at one point, I just said, uh, how did you do it? How'd you do it? All those years, decades, decades. Get up, work, work your shift, eight hour, 10 hour shift, work, take care of the, how did you do it? And his, his reply was so simple. He said, I just kept showing up. 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 Can I, can I just say to you, friend, you and I live in a society and a culture that talks about wanting to arrive, but you know what we all really want? We want to be the kind of people that just keep showing up, don't we? We want to be the kind of people that ultimately are celebrated for sacred sameness. We want to be the kind of people that are celebrated for faithfulness. We want to be the kind of people that are celebrated because, because we were married for long periods of time and we were faithful. We want to be the kind of people that when it's all said and done, we can look back and say, I just showed up each and every day again and again and again. You, you know why you want to be that way? Because that's how Jesus is. What does the Word of God tell us in the book of Hebrews? It says Jesus Christ is this, the what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. There it is, friends. Sacred sameness. His faithfulness is the reason why you and I are ultimately attracted to submit and surrender our lives to Jesus to begin with. I don't want to serve a God who might show up. I don't want to serve a God who one day showed up, but the next day didn't show up. 
I don't want to serve a God who gives me like a 50-50 chance that they might be faithful to me. No, I serve a God who describes himself as the same, faithful, yesterday, today, forever, will always show up on my half. And this is how we establish God's kingdom here in Gettysburg and in your life and in this house of worship. We show up. And we say, I'm not just about reaching, I want to remain. It's not just about being cut back, it's about believing in faith that he's setting me up for more fruit. I'm going to embrace monotony in my life and the monotonous, because I know ultimately it will lead me to the miraculous. We just show up. We just show up. Would you stand on your feet with me? And if you're watching online, would you just maybe kind of posture yourself in a, in a way where you can kind of just listen and, 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 and get ready to respond. Maybe, maybe if you're watching online, that's kind of kind of sitting up on the edge of your seat or, or kind of turning the volume up just a little bit. Or maybe if you're watching online, that's kind of getting rid of some of the distractions that have been around you. I just want to give two invitations real briefly. And this is for both everyone in the room and everyone that's online. But if you're here in the room today, would you do this to me? If you're here in the room, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me real quick? I just want to just have a moment of, of sacred sameness here, right? There are some things we do the same every single week at church, and that's okay. That's called sacred sameness. This is one of them. If you're here in the room today, you're watching online today, and you say, Pastor Aaron, I would like to surrender my life to Jesus. I'd like to receive the gift of salvation today. I believe, I'm choosing to believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He lived on this earth. He died. shed his blood for the forgiveness of my sins, and most importantly, he rose from the grave three days later. He defeated death and he defeated sin. And because he's the victor and the champion over death and sin in the grave, he has the power to forgive me of my sin, my sin, which is a barrier between me and having a relationship with God. So if you're here in the room or you're watching online and you say, that's me, I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. I'm talking most specifically to those of you that have never made a decision like this before. Maybe for some of you, this is a moment of recommitment. That's fine. That's wonderful. You, you, can, you can raise your hand with us in just a moment. But, but most specifically, I'm talking to those of you that would say, I've never made a commitment like this before, but today might be my very first time surrendering my life to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I believe in you, and I want to receive the gift of salvation. So on the count of three, if you're here in the room, I want you to raise your hand. On the count of three, if you're watching online, I just want you to drop it in the chat or talk to the host in the chat and say, I'm making this decision right now. But you say, that's me. I'm committing my life to Jesus. I'm surrendering my life. I'm asking him to forgive me of my sin. I'm receiving the free gift of salvation that Jesus purchased for me through his death on the cross. On the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Come on, raise it up. I see some hands back there, here in this area, back here. Anyone else raise your hand? All right. I see some one hand over here, a couple hands, a couple hands right here, probably about a half dozen hands. That's amazing. Okay, now I want to ask all of you to repeat this prayer after me. Those of you that raise your hands and everyone else in the room, maybe some of you are online, you've kind of typed in the chat already, I'm receiving Christ. But all of you in the room, would you, would you repeat this simple prayer after me? Say it nice and loud. Say it loud enough that your ears can hear what your mouth is saying. Repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you died on a cross to forgive me of my sin. And right now, today on this day I receive the gift of salvation and forgiveness for my sin thank you for loving me thank you for establishing your kingdom in my heart thank you for your compassion your grace 
your love. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, can you celebrate real quick with me right now? Because there's probably about a half dozen people. Now, now here's what we're going to do. Those of you that are on the prayer team here at church, I'm going to ask that you kind of maybe find a place. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to minister to people that would like to receive prayer. Um, and so there are some of you in the room that just raised your hand a moment ago. And it would be, it would be a wonderful decision on your part to just come forward and to have one of these people pray with you and give you some help and some just you know some some guidance and some even some some stuff that the church has prepared for you to help you take another step forward in your relationship you don't have to do that you can talk to one of the pastors afterwards but you can come forward and everyone else in the room if you're here in the room i I just believe in my spirit there are probably some of you here that feel like and it's probably it's probably true you feel like you are in an extended season of pruning right and you're just like man i just like it's been years where i feel like i'm not really like i don't see the fruit i don't see the miraculous everything in my life feels like monotonous and pruning and pruning and pruning now the promise to you is that that's just a season it's not a state of living for you you have to believe that promise you have to have faith in that you have to have, you have to put faith in god's word not in me what i'm saying but faith in god's word in due season that's what the word of god says in due time if you and i don't give up we will see a harvest right that's a promise from god's word so you can rest on that promise however i understand and recognize that if if that's you and you feel like man i've just been in this time year months and this is hard and i just need someone to pray with me i just need someone to minister to me today i just need someone to encourage me with a prayer that god will give me the grace to keep on running this race and god will give me the love and compassion just to keep on walking through this difficult season and if that's you we want to pray with you and we want to minister with you. So, so let me just make it real simple. If you want prayer because you just received Christ or you want prayer because you just feel like I just, I've been just, just in this really difficult season where I just feel like there's so much pruning going on in my life and I just need to know that God's going to see me through this. Would you come? Would you come right now? Go ahead and work your way out of the seat. And these guys will do a song here in just a minute. Pastor Candice will come in a minute and she'll give us some closing instructions. Yeah, come on up. Come on up. It's okay. It's okay. I know. I know it's hard. If you're on, the, if you're online, you can have someone with the one of the chat hosts pray with you. But come on, work your way up. There's some prayer people here. I'm going to pop down here in just a moment, and uh, we'll, we'll minister to people. Pastor Candice will we'll come up and give you instruction in a moment. All right. Some people are coming right now. Everyone else that's standing in your seats, two things. One, anytime you come, anytime that you want someone to pray with you. But secondly, let me pray with you real quick. Would you lift your hands to heaven if you feel comfortable? Would you lift your hands to heaven right now? Just as a sign of surrendering and letting go and saying, God, I'm giving everything to you. Let me just pray with you and for you real quick. God, I thank you, Lord, for every single young man and young woman, every married couple, every parent, every senior adult who's here in this room right now. God, I just thank you. God, I thank you that your word promises us that you are doing a miraculous work of producing fruit in our lives and through our lives. And so, God, now I declare in the name of Jesus over this house, over Freedom Valley, over the members and people of this home, those that have been here for years, those that maybe are here for the very first time today. God, I declare in your name, Father, that you are a fruit-producing God, that you are a loving God. And so, God, for every person who feels like they've been cut back, God, I pray that you'll help them to have a divine revelation of how you're setting them up to produce more in their life. God, for every person that feels a sense of conviction of the Holy Spirit telling them there's areas of their life where they need to cut back or prune away or reprioritize, God, I declare in the name of Jesus you'd give them the wisdom and the clarity to discover that and make that choice. Give them the grace and strength and courage.
courage to do so, even when it's hard. So God, right now, I just declare favor and blessing over this house, over these people, Lord. Minister deeply, I pray, Lord, to those who are wounded, to those who are hurting, to those who are confused because of the season of life or the stage of pruning that they're in. God, allow their eyes to be open clearly to see and know that your loving and gracious and compassionate hand is at work in them and in their life, God. And that, Father, if you have indeed cut them back you've done it as a compassionate God because you're setting them up for fruit to come forward through their life God I pray for grace in this house grace in our lives Lord as we continue to run our race Lord for every person who's in the, in the sound of my voice and is listening to me right now that's discouraged that's in depression that's feeling like they're in despair that's feeling like they can't take another step forward God I pray that they would know the loving hands and guidance of the Spirit of God and of the hands of Jesus Christ in their life right now, leading them and guiding them and providing for them. God, give them the strength to just keep on showing up each and every day, Lord God. God, I pray for faithfulness to arise in this house, faithfulness that produces, God, the fruit that you want to see it produce. God, I pray that in this house, roots would grow deep into your word and into prayer and into love and into generosity and giving, Lord God. Father, let us be a generation here at Freedom Valley that just keeps showing up day after day, week after week, month after month, Lord God. Let this house be marked by faithfulness, Lord God. Let this house be marked by those who just show up each and every day, each and every week. God, bless this place, I pray. Bless our pastors. Bless Pastor Candace and Pastor Aaron and the staff here, Lord God. God, let them see that there is fruitfulness on the horizon, Lord. That a season of pruning will come to an end when it's your time, when it's your moment, and it will produce exactly what you promised it would produce. And so, God, I declare in the name of Jesus, and I even declare prophetically over this house, that a great season of harvest would come, Lord. That a great season of fruitfulness would be upon them, Lord God. That, God, the roots that they've grown deep and they've grown faithfully, Lord Jesus, during difficult season and difficult ground and follow ground, that the roots that they've extended, Lord God, Father, that that time of, of plowing, that time of sowing seed would produce the harvest that has been in the hearts of the leaders and pastors of this church, Lord God. God, I declare, Lord, that season draweth nigh for them in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that they've laid the foundation. God, I thank you that they've remained, that they've abided, that they've stayed close to you, Lord God, that they've embraced every moment of pruning in their life and as a church family, Lord. And so, God, now I declare that your season of great fruit come forth from this house through this house, not for this house, but for your kingdom, Lord God, for the establishment that your kingdom would come. Let it come now in the name of a gracious and compassionate Lord Jesus, we pray and we declare, God, let it be, let it be. Come on, would you give God praise right now for his goodness? God, we give you praise. Not, not, you're not clapping for me. You're clapping for God right now. You're clapping for God. You're clapping for his goodness. You're clapping for what he's going to do. You're, you're clapping in faith, Lord. We're not clapping in gratitude for what you've done. We're clapping in faith for what you're going to do, for the blessing that's going to come, for the fruit that's going to come. God, we thank you, God. 
Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 Pastor Candace, come and listen, listen, listen. If you're online and you, and you receive Christ today, if you're in the house here and you receive Christ today, Pastor Candace will give you some instruction for what to do next. I just, I just want to say as a friend, please, please remain, abide, stay connected. For everyone else in the room, I got some homework for you. You're supposed to say, yay, homework. Okay. I know it's so hard, especially if you're a young person, you're like, dear, that's, that's a bad word. It's a bad word. If you really want to understand the depth of what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples in the first eight verses of John 15, then here's the homework. You have to read all of John 13 through 17 all together. And you have to picture yourself at Jesus' Friendsgiving, what you're getting ready to do right out here. You have to picture yourself in this moment where a gracious and compassionate Savior is walking the disciples through the most important things he needs to tell them before he's gone. Okay? So that's your homework. Go home this afternoon, tonight, this week, and start reading in John 13 and read all the way through until John 17. I did it this morning. It probably only took me maybe 15 or 20 minutes. It's not incredibly long, but the words are so profound and powerful, and it will help you that much more clearly and fully understand what we talked about today, which was just right in the middle of what Jesus was saying. I love you, Freedom Valley. You guys are amazing. Always an honor to be here with you. God bless you. Wow. Anybody else need that today? I needed that word personally. Thank you so much, Pastor Aaron, for coming to minister to us. Listen, Aaron was talking about the last moments of of Jesus' life here on earth right before he was crucified and I truly believe that communion is actually meant to be a little bit more of what we're doing today after service than it is the little wafer and the little juice that we we do sometimes in church as a practice I, I believe it's meant to be built into everyday life every time you eat three times a day 17 times a day whatever it is like me uh, it's meant to be built into everyday life that we remember what Jesus did together in groups around tables while eating, right? I think it's meant to be built into every day, not just once a month at church or at holidays. Communion is remembering what Jesus did. It's looking at the food and the drink that you are eating, drinking, remembering his body broken for you, his blood shed for you. Remembering the responsibility of that, that he did it for you, so you have to tell other people about it. It's about constantly building in those reminders in your life, those little disciplines, the little bits of religion in your life to help you remember what Jesus did. That's what we're doing today. That's what Friendsgiving is. Breaking bread together. We're being family together. We're sharing our lives together. Not just, hey, how are you? Uh, how are the kids, but really soul friendship, building friendships that will last, friendships that will, that you can be vulnerable with each other, you can share your lives with each other, you can encourage each other. So I want to encourage you to stick around today, not just for the food, which I'm sure will be delicious, not just for the, the pumpkin pie, right, but to, to build friendships with each other. I want to encourage you, we're going to put up tables around the back of this room, 
Don't just sit with people you know. Sit with somebody new. Make a new friend, right? Build a new relationship. And don't just, not just in it for you and what you're getting out of it, but minister to somebody else today. Be the church. The church isn't just what we just did for the past hour and a half. It's what we're about to do too. Be the church. Make a friend. Build a relationship. Encourage someone today. Make it your mission over the next hour or whatever that we're going to eat to encourage someone. Be a friend to someone. Be the church to someone. Can we do that together? Yes. All right. Let's pray over the food and pray over the time that we're headed into. Father, we dedicate this meal to you, this time spent together to you, both the last hour and the next hour. God, we, we ask that you would move in our lives, speak to our souls whether that's through the message that Aaron just gave us, through, through the worship where we set our eyes on you, or through what someone else says to us today, that we would be encouraged to encourage others. Work in our hearts and minds. Help us remember what you've done for us and minister to each other out of that same compassionate, loving, amazing spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you did for us on the cross. Let us never forget but constantly walk in the love and the compassion that you showed us. Let us be the vibrant, passionate, selfless church you've called us to be. We praise you. We worship you. We dedicate this time together in your name, the precious, beautiful, powerful, amazing name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to have some food together. I want to encourage you to go ahead and pick up your kids. Get back out to the lobby. We're going to start on that end. Get food. Come on in here right in this room. We're going to eat together. If you need prayer, if you made a commitment to follow Jesus, text the number on the screen or see somebody down here. I would love to pray that prayer with you. Give you all that information. Love you all. See you. so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.